And so I was maybe pre- prepared to forgive it a bit more than even, say, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which like should be better than it yeah, is, I trying actually, to be better than it is. I did actually think it was better than yeah. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Better than The Last Jedi? Mm. Anyway, let's not get into it. Yeah, that. let's not get into The Last Jedi. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Little Film Podcast coming to you live from the big geek end here at Guernsey Museum. My name's Adam uh, and with me on stage tonight we've got Dave. Hello. Ollie. Hello. And Patrick. Hello there. So did everyone get in okay? It's like Beatlemania out there, isn't it? It is indeed. You managed to fight your way yeah. through. Yeah. Navigated my way past the two cows. There. <laughs> There's yeah. literally some cows outside. Yeah. What's that for? Milk. <laughs> Meet the cows, I think, isn't okay. it? So if you haven't heard the podcast before, as the name suggests, we talk about films. Uh, we talk about recent releases. Uh, we talk about one particular recent release at the cinema on each episode. Uh, we, do a, we do a bit of a, a deep dive into a recent movie release. And deep dive just might be the right expression for this film because the uh, the sharp-witted amongst you may have worked out what we're talking about. There's a bit of a clue behind us. Uh, we're talking about The Meg. We've actually got a, um, a prop with us. Can anyone reach that? Yeah, I'll grab that. Yeah. It's, uh, Guernsey Museums have very kindly lent us this megalodon tooth. It's a real tooth. Quite an amazing coincidence that they had one in the, uh, yeah. in the collection. I don't think it was found around Guernsey. Let's hope, that, I hope, not. <laughs> I hope not. We were talking about that last night, actually, weren't we? Whether we'd go swimming if there was a megalodon around mm. Guernsey. Legend has it that the deepest point between Guernsey and Herm is actually a lot deeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot deeper than you think. Yeah. Patrick, you said you would still go swimming if there was a megalodon loose in Guernsey's waters. And I, I just thought that was idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a generous, uh, generous assessment. But um, I think, well, we'll come on to that a bit, but there's that thing of... We're undoubtedly going to talk about Jaws. Um, it's a great film, but it's possibly, in a weird way, wasn't that sort of responsible a film because it made people terrified of sharks when they're actually, you know, they're not. You're so unbelievably unlikely to ever be attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and You're and even the, less likely to be attacked by a megalodon, I guess, aren't you? Yeah, been well, extinct quite a lot for less, millions yeah. of years. And then in Guernsey is another factor. <laughs> as well, yeah, if true. there were megalodons around Guernsey and they acted like the megalodon in the film, then it would... I'd still go in, <laughs> maybe just in the bathing pools, right? Where it wouldn't fit. A megalodon yeah. in the bathing pools is a terrifying <laughs> thought. Isn't maybe it? that's the sequel. <laughs> um, we should say that we will be talking about this movie with spoilers, uh, because that is again what we do. But I'm not sure that you necessarily, if you haven't seen the Meg, I'm not sure that you have to worry too much about spoilers. It's a pretty simple premise, yeah. isn't it? It's a giant shark attacking a load of people. It's no spoiler to say that a few of them will get eaten and yeah. that a few of them may survive. Risky to suggest people leave if they've haven't seen, <laughs> haven't seen the bank yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, can we lock the doors? Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, there will be a few spoilers, but yeah, there's, it's not sort of a movie that really depends on its twists, is it? It's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Statham versus shark, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. 
Um, but let's start by, if I just read a, a brief synopsis. Um, so this synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. A deep-sea submersible, part of an international undersea observation program, has been attacked by a massive creature, previously thought to be extinct, and now lies disabled at the bottom of the deepest trench in the Pacific, with its crew trapped inside. With time running out, expert deep-sea rescue diver Jonas Taylor, Jason Statham, is recruited by a visionary Chinese oceanographer, Winston Chow, against the wishes of his daughter, Su Yin, Li Bingbing, to save the crew and the ocean itself from this unstoppable threat, a prehistoric 75-foot-long shark known as the Megalodon. <laughs> what no one could have imagined is that years before, Taylor had encountered this same terrifying creature. Now, teamed with Su Yin, he must confront his fears and risk his own life to save everyone trapped below. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that uh, teased up for you. C- can we play the trailer now? How big is that thing? It has the largest shark that ever existed. Okay, so, as we say, not necessarily going to be too many spoilers. You may may get some sense of what the movie's like from the trailer. Um, Shall we start by uh, giving the scores from the critics? So, giving a sense of what critics have been saying. So, we we like to sort of um, look at the sort of big movie aggregator sites, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Metacritic and IMDb and see what their scores are, just to give a sense of, of how it's been received. Ollie, I think you've got the scores. Uh, I do indeed. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 46%. Metacritic, 46 And the current IMDb score is 6.1. Okay, there's a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a discrepancy there. But I mean, none of that is really that important, is it? What really counts is, is our scores. Yeah. So um, we're going <laughs> to go around now. <laughs> the real experts. Uh, we're just going to now give our score out of 10 for the Meg to give a, a sense of where we all are on this movie. I, I don't know about you, I've had a really hard time scoring this, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what you've all come up with. We should probably uh, say as well that none of us know at this point what score we've given the film. Or, so even, we, we keep... or even general, we, we tend to leave any opinions about the film until we do the podcast. Yeah. It's always a bit awkward, isn't it, if we go and see it together. Like I went to see this with Dave, and then there's Very. just a, a long drive home. Where yeah. we're <laughs> just in complete silence. Where sort of step- just saying, like, yeah, it's been good weather lately. <laughs> like- um, let's start with you, Dave, out of 10. Uh, yeah, for me, really no difficulty at all with this score. Uh, three and a half out of 10. <laughs> okay. Ollie? I'm going to give it a five out of 10. Patrick? Four point <laughs> zero five four point five. Four point five. Yeah, I'm a four point five as well. Oh. It's not Shawshank, is it? <laughs> Certainly not. Um, Patrick, you've given it four point five. You've actually seen this movie twice. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a slow few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I almost saw it a third. No, I didn't actually. But the second time, so um, my brother hadn't um, seen it. 
I just thought, oh, I'll go and see it again. Like really, you know, know what I'm talking about when I'm reviewing it. Mm, for a change. Four seconds in, I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, no, no doubt this was just an um, uncharacteristic slip up from the mallard, but it was quite strange. We went and watched it and um, it was blurry. <laughs> the entire movie was blurry. Um, <laughs> This, this was the second time. So I knew that the first time, because I'd seen it the first time at the Mallard as well, on a different screen. But this time it had a kind of green tinge to, to everything. And when we asked about that, they said that it was basically their 3D kind of like copy bit, but they were showing it in 2D. Oh, no. So it was, it was quite strange. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Also, I just... So you watched the that. whole film yeah. like that? Also, this was good, the trailer, because it was the exact same volume that they had. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah. so, you said, so hang on, you said to them, the screen's really blurry. And they said, oh yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and continued to show the film like that. Yeah, they just paused and. Yeah. <laughs> so did that make a difference to your enjoyment? Um, <laughs> yes, it did, yeah. I'd like to start by talking about the tone of the movie. So like to judge from the marketing, like that trailer that we've just played and like the the, the major sort of posters for it said, the Meg opening wide on uh, on 10th of August. Um, yeah, you might expect this movie to have a certain kind of tone to be quite sort of like uh, silly, maybe lighthearted and, and above all self-aware um, to be sort of winking at the audience all the time in the way that that kind of, uh, you know, B-movie type creature feature thing might tend to do. Do you think that is the case? How, how, how self-aware do you think The Meg is? I I think that was one of, for me, one of the problems with the film was didn't quite know what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a sort of sort of tongue-in-cheek, funny comedy film or was it a action film? It like treaded the line on either side, but at no point did it really cement itself, I think, on deciding on what really what kind of film it wanted to be. Yeah, I was quite disappointed that it wasn't knowing enough. I thought there'd be a lot more sort of like winking to camera and sort mm-hmm. of obvious sort of B-movie B jokes. We didn't really get that. It was actually quite straight at times, which I found quite strange. Mm. I think it's interesting, like even within the trailer, um, there's this bit, which is probably in a sense the best part of the trailer, where it just says like chomp. <laughs> and that would imply kind of uh, a silly yeah awareness and kind of we know what this film is and yet i i do agree that um not only can i not really place it in terms of where it sits in the spectrum from sort of jaws deep blue sea but right down to things like sharknado or mega shark versus giant octopus but i don't think it really they were clear on on where they wanted it to to be or even what sort of what what film would you characterize it as like an action film or a it's not horror. Um. Do you think the like the the self aware like the idea that it's self aware and that it's quite a sort of silly film that's coming through in the marketing? Do you think that was did they it was that sort of spin that they decided to put on it because they thought it's not very good entirely? So I think and the the biggest nod to that I think within the film is right at the end. It's absolutely my favourite bit of the film was when it ended and the camera pans down into the sea and I was like, oh, we're we just going to see like another shark setting it up for a sequel. And so it just came up and said, Finn, yeah. instead of the end. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, brilliant. Yeah, there should have been more Absolutely of Absolutely brilliant. Well, there's <laughs> also a bit that um, uh, Jason Statham has a line where he says at one point, um, I think this is the worst moment of my life. 
not that that should be the review, but, <laughs> but it's uh, there are a few sort of nods there, which are, which are kind of aware. And, and what's odd is that the trailer kind of gets the tone right. And that's why I think we were more excited about yeah. the film than, mm. than we, how we pleased been, we were yeah. Yeah. with it, is that within the trailer, it's quite clever because at the start, uh, it's, a, you know, the image of the shark there and stuff, it's quite, it's quite well done. But then it cuts and that music comes in and the dog... Um, swimming and stuff, it becomes comical and this, the sheer scale of the shark and stuff is quite ludicrous and it becomes ridiculous and you think, oh, that's that'll be quite fun. It's just... Um, but it, it was weirdly void of the right kind of humour, I think, or it didn't really come alive in that, mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, there wasn't humour in the way that you might have expected. I, I was quite excited about the Megan when I saw the trailer because I think there's only so many things you can do with a shark film. And for me, this one was looking like there's obviously one side of the spectrum with the ridiculous like mega shark stuff. And there's the other side of the spectrum with, you know, the shallows and jaws. This where this this to me looked like it was going to be somewhere in the middle, which I was looking forward to. But then upon hindsight, after watching it, it was sort of a hindrance for it because it just didn't quite know mm-hmm. what it wanted to be, I think. It reminded me a bit of like Snakes on the Plane when that came out and the trailer for that just made it seem ridiculous and you watched the film and that was very knowing and ridiculous and you kind of enjoyed it because of that. Mm-hmm. I heard a story that Samuel L. Jackson um, threatened to not be involved in it anymore in Snakes on a Plane when they thought of changing the title because if they changed the title and made it, yeah, you know, flight such and such or just a more potentially serious title then that would not highlight that they were making a ludicrous film. And I think, though the Meg, the Meg is kind of like a nickname and it is a bit sort of Mm -hmm. tongue-in-cheek, I think, yeah, that was um, the issue of the actual tone. I agree with what you're saying about, like, it's not quite one thing or the other. It it sort of falls in the middle, doesn't it? It's Mm -hmm. like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. And there are some moments that I think are quite quite good, relatively speaking, or, like, (laughs) at least belong in a better or a more serious movie um but then there are also the moments as you say uh like certain lines of dialogue or the fin bit at the end that it is trying to be a kind of self-aware silly b movie but it's sort of if it was one thing or the other you might be more forgiving of it one issue is that it uh simply isn't scary it's quite strange it's that thing of the most famous line of jaws is um perhaps is you're going to need a bigger boat i think the concept of the meg is that what do you do in a in shark films post jaws and that's actually been a problem i funnily enough i looked up the sort of worst shark movies ever made and it's a long list um i don't think it's a particularly strong genre and you know at kind of nine was like hammerhead man and, <laughs> and i was like well we've got this eight below that um but yeah the idea being that like you're going to need a bigger shark Funnily enough, the, after my second viewing of the uh, film, which I've given 4.5 to, uh, came home and immediately watched Jaws to kind of like get the uh, taste yeah. out of yeah, Power cleanser, cleanser. Yeah. And it's significantly scarier than The Meg within the opening credits. Um, and it's also, that's kind of my, the biggest aspect of it for me is that it Jaws, it starts off with shots of just underwater and it's just real footage as if someone was and quite simple footage of it, like someone was snorkeling or spearfishing and it's real and it's completely believable and it's not just pure cgi and kind of shiny 
uh, fancy kind of state of the art equipment and stuff like that. It's just very, you, we, you could be in Guernsey looking at that and, and immediately, and with the music, with the darkness, it's, it's a frightening film. And there was, there weren't any bits, I don't think, where apart from the odd kind of like shock, because mm. the shock comes out of nowhere, there wasn't any, anything sinister or Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find it scary at all. And there was, wasn't any point where I was like really hiding behind a brave little soldier that yeah. day. Um, but there were some set pieces in the film which I did really enjoy and I found quite thrilling. Like one of the many rescue missions which always seemed to go awry. There was always something that went wrong. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of sort of gripping action set pieces which I thought were really well done. And just following on from that, I thought you mentioned before about CGI and stuff. I thought the actual visual effects in the film were really good. I think it's, I think it's difficult. It's Dave's obviously very difficult. Yeah, it's very obviously very difficult to do visual effects, but surely visual effects underwater even more so. I just thought, I just, don't I thought, do I, them. I, I do just, animatronics. Really do what David Cronenberg, uh, sorry, David Cronenberg, Christopher Nolan does, and make films where you have an absolute dedication to using as little CGI as possible. I would that's also, what he does and that's why his films are so good it's honestly one of the reasons I think I would also say that the CGI shark in the Megalodon is worse than the CGI sharks in Deep Blue Sea which was made in 1998 which are both worse than <laughs> so that's 20 years mixture, ago both worse than the mixture of like real footage of sharks in Jaws and then mm. admittedly like somewhat rubbery <laughs> when it flops on the boat at the end but yeah, otherwise yeah, that's a poor bit but <laughs> some of the clips in that and that actually Jaws was was um quite famous for production troubles with special mm. effects and how they would um how they would actually use the shark it's just another example of just uh, of the flaws in cgi i think you don't you, you well i when i watch these films can no longer sus- can't suspend disbelief that i'm just watching green screen i'm not watching anything whereas with jaws you are it sounds odd but you are literally just watching objects you are actually seeing that boat on the sea you are seeing this thing which has been made to be like a shark i don't know that any amount of improvement in how they'll do cgi will kind of counter there's obviously exceptions like the phantom menace you know it's just like (laughs) just brilliant isn't it ollie what are you gonna say i was gonna say it is a good point i mean we reviewed uh jurassic park uh sorry jurassic world earlier this year sorry jurassic world Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, yeah come on, full name. Yeah, yeah you got annoyed about that last time. Yeah. Yeah, um, but in, once again, like for me, like still to this day, the special effects, well, animatronics and special effects in the original Jurassic Park are still they still look amazing, and I'd much rather be watching that than obviously Fallen Kingdom, where it is literally all CGI. Like there is definitely a like you said a thing for animatronics and and dedicating to try and do as real as possible. Well, there was, I mean, in when Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was coming out, <laughs> there, was a, there was a dinosaur in, I think it was King's Cross or something, there was like this massive model. And I thought like, wow, that's incredibly detailed and <laughs> believable and stuff. Just, just like use those, use, mm. you know, the, the, those, the way they did the raptors in, the, in Jurassic Park, where they do actually have the models there and stuff. And... It's just better, I think. And there are things which are famous for it, like um, John Carpenter's The Thing, where they made all these sort of animatronics and ro- robots. But which, so what you're watching is is there on all the gore and things like The Fly, the David Cronenberg version. Um, I, I genuinely think, I hope at some point there's like going to be a kind of backlash against doing films which just 
it's the easy route is just to flood it with CGI. And I've, I've made the point before that I think in a way the Lord of the Rings films get progressively less good bec- and that's not um, unrelated to the fact that the CGI just gets more and more liberally thrown in. It's the first one, it's, it's they're using lots of like real horses, they're using uh, makeup and all that stuff. And by, well, then you've got the Hobbit films, where the it's Hobbit's just like, a, you're basically just watching just CGI, yeah. like a cartoon. Yeah, or the army of the dead in The Return of the King. Yeah. So it needs to have that, that kind of real earthy element. And that's, that was, in a way, the biggest thing for me with the Meg. There was nothing dirty. There was no things of um, uh, Roy Scheider or whatever, like mm. throwing fish guts. And, and they were doing that, but it, it wasn't, wasn't real. No, it wasn't and real. Even the bits where they've got like a fin carving through the sea, yeah. be the easiest thing in the world. Well, it obviously wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world, <laughs> <laughs> but they could have done that. They could have filmed that. But the film cost, uh, I think it was $150 million to make. So they spent money on it. It just didn't have a great final product when it came to the CGI. So on, on this point of you saying you weren't sort of scared during the Meg Ollie as well, you, you profess not to be scared. Um, you claimed not to be scared. Despite three toilet visits. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're saying partly that's because the CGI wasn't convincing, etc. But also, Ollie, I think you wanted to talk about the um, certificate of the film. It's a, it's a 12A. Yeah, so it was, always, yeah, it's been given a tw- it was given a 12A certificate, but I either read or heard somewhere that a number of the cast weren't, particularly happy that the film had been edited down to a 12a because there's not a lot of gore and violence in it. and i don't know if you necessarily need that in the shot in in that film but yeah it's just quite an interesting point that that the that the cast it wasn't maybe the vision they had been sort mm-hmm. of sold and it had been changed quite a bit in order to bring the certification down well again on the on on the subject of the cast like and going back to this sort of self-aware thing do you think the cast think they're in a silly beam? Does it come across to you that they're sort of having fun with it? Maybe Rain Wilson. I think Rain Wilson he's gets Dwight from the office, if anyone's not sure. But, but yeah. I think he probably thought he's been brought in as the sort of comedic element in mm-hmm. the film. You wouldn't cast him in a serious role, but everyone else I think feels like they're in a serious role. Like Jason Statham is giving it both barrels on very intense acting throughout, isn't it? Big yeah. barrels. He can't Statham. not do intensity. He's like his brow is like this the entire time. And if you even if he's saying like, ask for a coffee, yeah. it'd be like it, it just anything. What was like the line at the end up to when he was inviting her to go on holiday with him? That was quite could you do an impersonation of that? So I think it's time for a holiday. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like it's like it hurts his face to speak. Um, it must be really weird to have Jason Statham's voice because, as you say, sometimes you just have to say normal stuff. He bought the new bubble bath. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> we seem yeah. to have run out of frosties. <laughs> yeah, but, um, Excuse me, <laughs> your chair is on my coat. <laughs> yeah, was he meant to be British or American? I couldn't work Good question because he kept sort of dipping in and out of sort of accents. I found. Yeah, I know I said it yesterday, but my favourite bit of the film is definitely Jason Statham on holiday. Yeah. Like in when Thailand. he's just in Thailand at the beginning, yeah, yeah, just amazing. scootering around with, with, his funny, hat on. with a funny hat. I'd watch yeah. a whole movie of that. Actually. Yeah, I was like, this is great. Keep this up. He's like, oh, going to the bar for a beer. His, his trajectory from where he started to where he is now is quite, quite amazing. Like how he went from this sort of low-key, 
sort of gangster in I think it's probably Lockstock was probably his first film, wasn't it? Mm. And to now like just not his first, but yeah, first, first like first like, like global one, yeah. action hero now. Like the very opening of Lockstock is really good and it's it starts off just with sound, I think, and then it's clips of him and he's trying to sell gold chains. Um they're like stolen gold chains on the street and he's making lots of jokes and um uh, too late too late will be the cry when the man with the bargains has passed you by and he's kind of like sort of cheeky but he he knew that world like he mm. jason statham had grown up and worked in market stores and stuff and that was i think also like one of the reasons he was cast in in those sorts of roles and then similarly in uh in snatch as well and he does that really well it was quite weird. It was tran- uh, Transporter was the first thing where I remember seeing the poster of that and thinking like, oh, that's uh, Turkish from Snatch. Snatch. And, yeah. uh, and now it's completely sort of normal that you see him in everything. You see him in Fast and the Furious. Well, he's, and, he's one of the most sort of bankable yeah. stars in Hollywood, isn't he? And, and yet what's amazing is that I saw that this film is his most successful, like um, certainly opening of any film he's been in, it was... Um, Even better than Romeo and Juliet, which he was yeah, awesome. Amazingly, yeah. I yeah. thought the Fast and the Furious films would have bigger openings. Mm, apparently been. not, both for him and for John... Turtle Taub. He's the director. Yeah. yeah. Could I Biggest, just, uh, otherwise known for Cool Runnings. I was going to say, yeah, I did not know that. How did the, <laughs> just on similar, that note. Similar movies. <laughs> how did the man who made Cool Runnings, with all its like humanity and warmth and like mm. characterization <laughs> and stuff, manage to make something that is so surface deep because mm-hmm. that was the problem is, is that there. again going <laughs> yeah, true despite the going down to Mariana's trench it remains surface deep yeah. but um Should be a film review but uh yeah so going from this and then watching Jaws Jaws is all about characters even though the shark in Jaws is the main characters that Spielberg thing you make the monsters or the you know, like in Jurassic Park, in Jaws, that's the main character, which is why you can have Brody in Jaws, who's quite an odd <laughs> leading leading man. Um, but still, you've got like all that, you've got great dialogue, you've got that incredible um, scene where uh, Robert Shaw talks about the Indianapolis. Uh, you've got the kind of corrupt mayor, that sort of thing. But there's no, we don't know anything about anyone who was in this film. Every single character was a sort of generalisation, yeah. wasn't it? Like it's just sort of like ticking a list of generalizations for mm. you know lesbian engineer uh sort of worried best friend like rugged hero mm-hmm. tick like yeah. untrustworthy doctor almost to quite a weird <laughs> degree so they uh one thing we should talk about as well is the the chinese element they yeah you have like the chinese uh father sacrificing himself uh and the fact that it's um set there i mean yeah anyway you can talk about more of that with because in light of things like skyscraper which is also set Mm -hmm. in um in china to make more money basically yeah and and then the ultimate of these is uh transformers for transformers age of extinction which i watched in china and is the most successful ever movie in china and actually stars lee bingbing as well but uh it's it's a very yeah i think it's quite a cynical tick box like do we have have we pleased, you know, this group, this group? Yeah. And it was to the detriment of the film because the relationship between her, like the on-screen chemistry between her zero. and Jason Statham was... I, I, I mean, you watched it with me. Mm. I was only really laughing in the film when they were interacting yeah. and it wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
They, like on the subject you, you're saying about the characters not having much depth, I mean, they try and give uh, Statham's character a bit of backstory, don't they? At the, at the beginning, mm-hmm. as you know, he has some sort of motivation because he's encountered this megalodon before. But I mean, does that really? It took a lot of persuading, didn't he, to uh, to come back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when they go and see him to try yeah. and persuade him to come back, yeah. cracks open a few beers, and next minute he's he's on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, you know, you can. Uh, you're going to appeal to my better nature and I'm still going to say no. But then they say, oh, actually, we've got some guys trapped at the bottom of the sea. He's like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When's the helicopter leave? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think Jason Statham looks like he has fun making the film and it is like hammed up and he's the most Statham he's ever been. Like second period of career Statham. (laughs) Um, But... I'm not sure. I mean, Rain Wilson, it's quite bizarre because again, that might be seen as a bit cynical. It's like probably, I don't know if he's one of the most, well, he's one of the most popular characters of the office mm-hmm. in America. Uh, but he's not, he doesn't have any funny lines. It, it, none of it worked. I don't think, um, which is, which is odd. Uh, like the, I don't think the people writing it sort of understood how humor works. But does it, does um, this speak to something that could be a problem at the heart of the film, which is like, who is it for? So you've actually mentioned the kind of China connection. So it, this is a uh, co-production between, um, is it uh, Warner Brothers yeah. and a Chinese production company? Hmm. So you've mentioned a couple there. There are This is happening more and more now. Um, we've had Skyscraper recently, The Great Wall with Matt Damon. Um, and now this, I mean, this has certainly been the most successful financially. Um, here, I mean, it has worldwide, but again, uh, the Transformers movie that I saw out there, that was entirely, I mean, and it's famously sort of cynical in, in how they appealed to Chinese audiences. There's a, there's a scene. In so that you, movie. Sorry, you saw this in China. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a scene in that movie where someone's in Texas and they're getting money from an ATM, but it's like, the China Agricultural Bank or something, and it's in Texas, and it makes absolutely no sense. And characters will pick up like Chinese branded milk, and I was watching it, yeah, in a Chinese cinema, and the reaction was hundreds of people going like, "Oh, look at that!" Like yeah. we we drink. It was, it, yeah, it was it was just to appeal to that market, and it did so just staggeringly effectively, which is worrying because it's might be the worst film I've ever seen, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. But uh, this is the dinosaurs one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it with no plot, with no even the reason that they go to China. They're like, oh, our factory's closed here. We'll go to the one in China, or so. It doesn't really um, make any sense. But weirdly, and this is a factor with the, that Chinese element, is that so many films don't get okayed to be um, seen in China. And is it only like a few international films a year? Yeah, and even I mean, um, I've watched films as well where. I've watched them, forgetting that I'm like watching them in China. And then when, if, I've, if I happen to have seen them again, there are whole scenes which are in there which were taken out. So they're really sort of crudely edited. Um, and again, there'd be a scene in Transformers where, you know, they're in trouble and they'll say like, oh, don't worry, like the central government will get us out of this one. And, stuff. And, it's just, <laughs> it's like, and yeah. one of the only reasons that worked, I think that film is so successful there is for some weird reason, Transformers as a kind of cartoon had been one of the few things that had been allowed to be shown um, in China. And so it all kind of added up. And, and it, in a way it's that thing, Michael Bay, maybe like a sort of 
cunning in the same way that like Trump knows how to exploit like in the worst way people in in that he just added up exactly like how to make money and it made mm-hmm. within China alone it made like 350 million. I say that these these films make massive amount a massive amount of money in China don't they? These these yeah. sort of um, collaboration films. But they need to get it exactly right and what's unique is that they will only allow things which to some extent like paint a positive picture of their government stuff which you wouldn't get anywhere else. So again they they're quite specific about what films will and won't but work it, or be allowed. But it does compromise on the quality, doesn't it? Well, this, so this is my question. Is, it, is the problem that it, it's firstly cynical, as you say, in sort of so blatantly going after the Chinese market, but is the problem then if you're doing a collaboration like this and you're effectively trying to please everybody or trying to please two very different markets, it feels like the only way they can do that is to kind of get rid of all cultural references and like snip out anything that might be misunderstood in one or other culture, so you end up with something that's a little bit bland? Well, what's frightening about that is, and this might change and things are opening up a bit, but if you think of all the things that could potentially be ruled out, yeah, as you say, kind of in film or in fiction, um, anything to do with sort of spies or government corruption or scandals, there's just all sorts of areas where like, no, we can't have that. And what you're left with is yeah is maybe it's Jason limited. Satan <laughs> it's Jason Satan punching a megalodon that article I can't remember exactly who it, what actors it said but there was in that article you sent around the other day it was saying there's a lot of Hollywood actors and sort of talent would be directors and producers who are making the move from Hollywood to China to sort of progress so yeah it's another interesting element that yeah more and more big Hollywood stars are now appearing in Chinese like Chinese only productions like Bruce Willis is in something that's about to come out Michael Douglas has just been in something that's one of the most successful Chinese movies ever Mm -hmm. so it's sort of now becoming like another center of gravity for the movie industry and and the Hollywood stars are seeing that as the future in some way which is interesting development certainly I saw the phrase I can't remember where this was but there was the phrase kowtowing for cash bowing and having to give in in order to to make money in the kind of Chinese market but and yeah like the economy compared to the US like the Chinese one will be growing and growing and the Chinese film industry will do the same mm-hmm. um, and presumably at some point will overtake Hollywood as being the the place with all the money speaking of all the money it is interesting that this has done quite well at the box office because it hasn't had amazing reviews not just from the four of us well, I mean, what, why do you think this has struck a chord? Well, I, I, I think this year has been a pretty bad year for blockbusters in general. Like, I think the best, the most critically, the most well, like critically well-received blockbuster of the summer has been the Mission Impossible film, which was like the sixth film in that series and is in itself not the most exciting film of all time. So I think people were sort of crying out for a big film. Mm-hmm. I think also there's just not been a good shark film in a long time. And like, it's probably felt, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it feels like a big shark film was overdue. Yeah. Unfortunately. It was a very big shark. It's a very big shark <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah. 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 As, as I was saying before, I think there's, there's only so much you can do with a shark film. Like it's going to be a shark in the sea in somewhere in the world. <laughs> Au contraire. No. Sand sharks. Yeah. And Sharknado. I think that was about number 15 in the top 20 worst. Uh, but it might be a good time to talk about other recent shark mm. films. Um, like I, 
recently watched 47 Meters Down, which was quite a low budget shark film, but I actually really enjoyed. And it for me, that tapped into what terrifies me about the sea, and that's being at the bottom of it or trapped at the bottom of it being surrounded by sharks. That's a good idea. So, yeah, so that's a film in which uh, people go cage diving with great white sharks and it breaks and their cage falls to the bottom of the ocean and they're trapped at the bottom with great white sharks wanting yeah. to, but that to was get really at tense them. And like, Very tense. That's what scares me in shark, mm. shark films. Um, and The Shallows as well I watched recently, which I was trying to get in the mood for shark films. So I rewatched that and I watched Jaws. I held my hands up here for the first time ever last week. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched Jaws for the first time like five years ago, and I'm pretty sure you gave me a load of grief for never having seen it. <laughs> Tell you. yourself. He didn't know though, because he said to me this week, he was like, "Yeah, I watched Jaws." <laughs> I just realised it was the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. I, like, I don't know what you how thought could you not, you'd yeah. seen. Yeah, mm. uh, but you've actually been doing a lot of research for this, haven't you? Because you've you've watched all those movies. You said you also said you watched a load of shark programs on the Discovery Channel. I did, yeah. And now you're too scared to go swimming. <laughs> I went for a swim with these two the other day and I said, oh, let's swim out to uh, that boy over there. And they were, I, I started swimming and I looked back and they were still right <laughs> close to the rocks. With that, with like, like that <laughs> little, little dog in the trailer. Just yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, just turning around. We were, we were swimming out and Ollie was like, oh yeah, I watched Jaws earlier. And Don't I was blame like, him. You were just uh... as bad. And he was like, yeah, we've been watching a lot of shark movies. It's like, no, for me, for me, I'm not, I'm not scared. Being nibbled by a dogfish. I'm not scared of sharks. I'm, what worries me when I go swimming is just the, the sort of dark, deep below, like not knowing what's, but that's what really. Because it might be sharks. <laughs> well, no, it's not, yeah, but it's just that like, okay, see, so yeah, maybe I'm afraid of sharks, but it's just that fear of not knowing what's below you. That's, <laughs> You're perfectly happy with loads of sharks around as long as it's clear water and there at the surface. That's what I quite enjoyed. I'd, I'd say in some aspects of the Meg was the actual scale of the film was that a lot of shark films are confined to like small areas, so like Jaws is typically the, the beach, um, there's a scene when they go to the, the, the sunken, is it a boat or a, is that right? Shipwreck. Shipwreck, sorry, yeah. shipwreck. Um, and then the shallows is obviously at a beach on some rocks. Whereas with the Meg, it was literally in the middle of the ocean. And there's those really great scenes where like Statham's in the cylindrical shark tank thing and you just blow him. It's just deep. Mm-hmm. dark blue. I think and I, saying great scenes is actually <laughs> not quite right there, is no, it? No, but also <laughs> good scenes. Also that raises scenes. actually another problem that I think the film has, which is that, again, if you look at Jaws, it's set in Amity and it, the place in the, in the, in the, in, within the confines of not even a very long film, you get a real sense of the character of the place, Brody being the police chief, that mayor, mm. all the fishermen who are kind of competing to try and go and find the shark. It's kind of chaos. It's the summer is about to happen. But you really get a very, very good character of a place. They set the Meg Basically, it's 200 miles off the coast of China, but actually where it is, they, there's even a line where he says, you know, I could beat you up. This, this, these are, you know, international international waters, these are international yeah. waters. The problem with that is that it then doesn't have any mm-hmm. character. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no feel no for a place. Really, and yeah. that is made worse by the fact it's then this kind of super duper, somewhat unbelievable underwater structure which again is not human we don't we don't watch that and think oh that's something i can particularly imagine or is, yeah, is, is believable 
What I would say about that as well is it's almost the exact same structure that's in Deep Blue Sea. So they, they spend almost no time in it. Whereas in Deep Blue Sea, they're like, oh yeah, it's this big research facility and you see a lot of it. And then, you know, you even see like the kitchens with the chef and everything like you get a real sense of it. In this one, they're like, we've kind of made the same place. If we just kind of gloss over it, we'll show you the elevator mm, yeah. and one control room. And just like, yeah, it's the place from Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, you know, it yeah. cost a billion dollars to make. Don't worry about it. We'll just sort of... I wasn't a yeah, massive fan of the research facility setting itself, but there is one particular bit in the film I really liked and I thought it was really well done. It's actually in the trailer where the, the young girl is on the sort of viewing gallery platform. And then you just see the hmm. the shark coming. Like, I thought that was like, yeah. Do you know what the problem with that though is? Is that, and I think we'd probably all agree with this, is that the trailer is better than the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's one there's one example within the trailer which is quite weird, which is that uh, Rayan Wilson's character says of Jason Statham's character, um, "Oh, he looks heroic." but he's kind of got a negative attitude. And in the film, he's like, he looks heroic and he walks fast, but he's kind of got a negative attitude. In the film, he says that like as he meets him, which makes no sense whatsoever. It's almost like they put that line in to make the trailer. So even that mm. is a kind of like a cynical thing. It makes no sense. If, I, if you just meet someone and then you said that about them, it's like he doesn't, he hasn't spent any time with him. It's, it's, it's really well, bizarre. Talking of being disappointed about lines that are in the trailer and aren't then in the film, you know, my God. Yeah. Like, Th- that's not in it, is it? No. He, he says, no. my God. And he says, it's a megalodon, but it's about 15 minutes apart. Well, again, when yeah. we were watching it, when he first says, my God, like me and Baff were like, it's the me. Oh. <laughs> we like went to high five each other <laughs> yeah. and then it just didn't happen. One yeah. slightly, I'll give it one bit of credit here, which is that there's a bit in the trailer where he says, um, chew on this, you ugly. And then it stops. And I think most people watching that certainly are, I watching that thought, okay, that's the updated version of Smile, You Son of a... Which is in Jaws, uh, which is the end of the film. And in this one, he does that, but then nothing happens, which I thought was like Mm. quite good because at least Mm. it wasn't how the shark ended up dying, although how the shark did end up dying was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So bizarre, yeah. So you explain that, yeah. yeah. So there's a line where someone says, well, what are we going to do? And Jason Statham says, evil... Yeah, anyway, he says, like, evolution which makes no sense. Evolution, I'm going to make it bleed. Um, and then he like, he, <laughs> he uses the, the submarine, flies, uh, well, anyway. It's basically flying. It, dives, like goes towards the shark, then just goes under it, turns, and the kind of wing of the, of the sub cuts the entire length of the shark's body. He then grabs onto its head. As the shark jumps out of the water, he jabs it in the eye. <laughs> um, and then it gets eaten by like hundreds and hundreds of other sharks. That's it. Those are great whites and stuff. Which also in. is that thing of, he's just there in the water and he's like, oh, brilliant. Look at all these sharks like attacking things. Like, be, those are also killers. I'd yeah. be terrified when all those yeah. sharks turn up. I'd be like, like, I don't know why. great whites Think about how many people were in the water, like on their lilos and stuff. And all those sharks are there. Yeah. And they're like, thank God the megalodon's dead. Yeah. 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 No, that's, exactly, just, yeah. that's just 500 great white sharks. Yeah. And hammerheads and stuff. Yeah. And um, I have a theory that what they're trying to do with that is the thing of like uh, Jurassic Park, the T-Rex saves them from the raptors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Jurassic World, the T-Rex saves them from the new super duper engineered dinosaur and the raptors are fighting against yeah the indominus yeah. rex yeah. i suppose yeah. it slightly subverts it if it's then like a smaller shark that saves them from 
the Meg. It's but, absurd. Yeah. It reminds me of the end of uh, Jaws 4, The Revenge, when the shark just jumps out of the water and onto the bow of Michael Caine's boat. And that's how it dies. Oh, yeah. It sort of impales itself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then also, so this is actually a theme within shark movies because the shallows, do you remember how the shark dies in that one as well? Uh, yeah, she's she's on she's on that like sort of floating sort of boy thing, isn't she? Yeah. And she's on the chain. She breaks the mechanism of the chain and sort of heading towards <laughs> this like thing underwater with spikes on it. And last minute she ducks out of the way and the shark, the shark swims straight into it and then, yeah, impels itself. It's a bad ending for that film, but that film is otherwise quite tense, isn't it? The Shallows, which uh, the which the Meg is not. Mm. We keep talking about Jaws, as I, as I said, I first I saw it for the first time only like five years ago. But I also saw it. The only time I've ever seen it was five years ago, and it was on that big screen um, at Kobo, like so, uh, an outdoor screen. Uh, and it was a really sunny day. And so all the scenes in the dark just couldn't see anything at all. <laughs> so like all the scenes underwater, basically, it was just completely like black screen. And you could hear the music, but that was it. So I haven't necessarily had the proper Jaws experience. Yeah, show it at night yeah. on the beach and then see if people will actually like go for a swim like mm. they do in the start of the movie. The mm. first shark attack in the film is genuinely quite horrible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and so is the one of the, of like, the boy. Yeah. Deaths actually ma- matter. So as in the mother of the, uh, I think his name's Kimber, Jim, yeah, Jimmy Kimber, child, isn't it? Yeah. she then comes and says like, you knew that there were sharks and now my boy is dead. And, also, and it's quite is it, it's There's quite emotion tragic. in the film, isn't there? In this one, they've got that weird thing, which is in lots of films, whereby someone who's supposed to be a really good friend will die horribly. And seconds later, it's got that character going like, this wasn't in my job description. Like, no one told me there were two sharks. And it's like, it's like your friend's just been like brutally murdered. And they don't even bring that up till later on. They're like, oh yeah, shame about that guy as well. His name, my lifelong buddy. Got eaten. I, re- yeah. I really didn't enjoy the scene where they uh, blow up the whale either. That was very idiotic. You know that bit? So they, oh, they yeah. trace on the shark. They accidentally blow up. He's called in like the cavalry with a patchy helicopter and... Mm. And they think it's the Meg beneath them. Yeah, yeah. They blow it up. Turns out to be a... That almost got so ridiculous that I started to enjoy it more, though, because it was just like... Well, that's what we're talking about, that we may have expected that kind of (laughs) And then you have... There was an odd pacing issue as well, because you then had this thing in, again, somewhat cynical, set in uh, Sanya, which is in the island of Hainan, off southeast China. And it is really, like, dense, uh, densely populated beaches in summer and stuff. So in a way, it's a good idea to have something happening then. But none of that has any tension or anything, really. And it all happens within just a few minutes. It's like they took too long earlier on in the film and then didn't really And absurdly, know what to do. the shark doesn't really attack anyone. No. When it, so it's, a, it's killed everything it has seen yeah. up to that point in the film, like every boat, any hint of anyone moving. There's a whole sea full of people just on like lilos, like paddle boarding, yeah. going mental. And it's just like, oh, I'll just swim under them. It's like someone who's incredibly hungry trying to like unwrap some complicated food stuff when there's an all-you-can-eat buffet just next door, which it just ignores. Yeah. So it's shark film, good shark films do the thing where they create tension by not showing too much of the, like, because in Jaws, what really surprised me is how long you wait to actually mm. see the shark. And still, even after that, you see snippets of it, a bit like the shallows as well. There's like, you see the fin every so often or there's like segments of it. With the Meg, I thought it was doing that 
at the start, like it was a while before you so- showed the shark, like they like playing cards close to their chest. But as soon as you see the shark, they then go yeah. all in. And, 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 and what do they do? The only thing that they can do, which is that they catch it. And then what happens? An a even bigger, bigger Meg comes yeah. and bites that one. Yeah, It's quite funny though, how much credit we give Jaws for showing the shark uh, later on because I read something an interview with Steven Spielberg recently where he said like yeah actually I would have just had like loads more of the shark in it but um, because it was so difficult to film with I had to change the entire way that we did it so that you only saw little bits of it so yeah. actually like we give him so much credit for it and everyone always does but he wanted more shark it wasn't intentional so is there anything else you want to say about the Meg where, where, where do you think it sort of sits in the the Hall of Fame of shark movies. I did read one review that described it as a breath of fresh air compared to the Sharknado series. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, I really liked Empire's review of it, which was Shark Week. Week, as in W-E-K. W-E-K yeah. Yeah. This was quite a good one. This was Owen Gleiberman of Variety said, it wants to be the mother of all deep sea attack movies, but it's really just the mother of all generically pandering, totally unsurprising Jaws ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. Harsh, but, but possibly justified. I, th- I think I'd describe it as the seventh best shark film I've seen. <laughs> Not as bad as Jaws 3 or 4. But you don't regret seeing it. I regret yeah. seeing it twice. You don't regret seeing it once. No, I, would, I don't regret yeah. seeing and it. And it's a popcorn. As much as I didn't like it, I can't say I wasn't entertained yeah. by it. Mm. And also, like we said, maybe the tone wasn't quite what we were expecting and it's maybe not as sort of self-aware and, and winking as much as he would expect, but there's some of that going on. And so I was maybe pre- prepared to forgive it a bit more than even, say, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which like should be better than it is, trying to be better than it is. I did actually think it was better than yeah. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Well, we've got a few minutes left. I mean, we could, we could uh, talk about some other things away from the Meg, if you like. If anybody has a question they'd like to ask about the Meg or anything Or any else, films that have, have recently We've got films. a question at the back there. Yeah, I've got one for you. Um, you said you've been watching those shark films. Have you seen The Reef? The Reef? Anyone seen The Reef? No, I haven't no, I've seen heard, The Reef. I've heard that's a, a good it's, one, yeah. It's a completely different perspective to The Meg, but it's also based on a true story. Hmm. And another one is Bait. I've heard. You've seen that one. That's the one within the um, uh, with it's like a within a mall. It's like a flooded area, which actually I think is quite a great image. I haven't seen the movie, but yeah, the world's part. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and Bait. Part. Okay, that could put but that's, Meg at night. That's a genuinely quite interesting <laughs> idea, like the idea of a flooded area where you know there's then. We've been talking about the shark effects. I won't give too much away because obviously I'm going to spoil it when you get to see it. But they're completely different because it looks so real, mm-hmm. yet it's not. Mm-hmm. It's getting closer to them along the way. Mm. Yeah, in the reef. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, what's, what's the reef? What's the brief sort of. So basically, four guys, basically, they get something hits their boat. There's five of them originally. One decides to stay on the boat because yeah. he fishes the waters and he knows what's out there. Four of them are set off. And they've just got 10 miles to swim to land. Oh, okay. Sounds because there are, you, were saying, it? you were saying, what, it is tricky, what do you do with shark films? But maybe none of them are realised perfectly, but the idea of, you know, this one is, oh, throw a huge budget at it. Maybe they do the thing of actually do one on a very small budget. Like so open water. open water, you're doing the thing where you're almost trying to make 
the, the famous example of like making money from a movie is is um, the Blair Witch Project, where it's like it cost what was it, a couple of hundred thousand dollars mm. to make and brought in millions because it's so simple. If that could be done really, really well, um, well, Open Water I think is done very well. I remember mm. watching that at the Mallard as well, and uh, mm. very different yeah. experience. I think open water is like very scary because it's also quite a real situation you know you think you could go on holiday and quite easily be left behind by a boat mm-hmm. yeah and, that, and that's the premise isn't it yeah. they, they go snorkeling or yeah scuba diving. diving and they come up and the part of part of it is that thing of um, you're saying that what you find scary in deep water and things like that is that you you've got a very very limited view of what what's there which then part, part of the problem might be is that if you're just always shown stuff from below and you can see exactly what's going on the fear is then gone which is maybe where the success of Jaws Open Water and some of these other films they work a bit better because of that I guess also in water you're kind of out of your comfort zone completely aren't you it's one of the reasons sharks are so terrifying mm. as well you're, you're not in your natural environment I've got a couple of questions over here um, sorry so I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, talk about any other film as well Dunker and mm. um, guys at IMAX and the manager came out of the cinema it was the first time I've been and he asked how many people have seen this film already and then how many have seen it two times and he went right up to eight and by the time he got to eight there were six people who had seen that film again by eight times and you said you've seen many <laughs> <laughs> and when I thought Dunker was really great and I would love to have gone back to see it but coming back slightly to CGI's and all the excerpts they've shown for other films being shown at the time were all CGI and mm. I thought not one of them made me felt I'd like to go and see it none of them enticed me mm-hmm. you see what I'm well, that, that's why part of why Dunkirk was so good is obviously you talking about for Christopher Nolan like it's reliance on trying to keep films as real as possible yeah and I watched actually caught the end of Dunkirk the other day just before I was going to bed but I watched the last sort of 20 minutes and it's really struck me how he just there's very few parts in that film where you think that's been done on a computer it just looks so real and so like visceral which is why it's so good and probably why people went to see it so many times I think he has a policy as well Christopher Nolan that even when he accepts that he'll have to use CGI which he does he'll try and at least base it on something which actually happens if it's an explosion or uh, a building, yeah, say it's a building being blown up, something like that. It might be then touched up a bit with CGI, but it still has that real uh, element. Two of the best films of the last 10 years are Mad Max Fury Road and Dunkirk, and they are both films which have which really don't rely on CGI and rely on practical effects. And they're two of the most memorable and they stand out because it doesn't feel like you've just watched a video game I think when you talked about The Hobbit earlier that's like a perfect example of three films which I just absolutely hate I kept wanting the next one to be better so I watched all of them and they could have yeah it it just feels like you're playing a video game Mm. but without the fun of playing it elements which would be good and which could have been done well but which Mm. just that thing of CGI it's interesting in the specific case of Dunkirk though because yeah they didn't really use CGI all the um, scenes where they're evacuating from the beaches and stuff they, they really did have people on the beaches and they had the ships off the coast but I did read a thing with a historian saying it actually although it looks very impressive it actually under uh, represents what it was really like because there were way more ships mm-hmm. and there were way more people on the beaches but oh, 
in the end they couldn't get 500,000 extras on the beach yeah. which they could have done with CGI and they chose not to and it, I don't think it's a problem for the film but this historian was complaining that it actually wasn't <laughs> what's, what's, true to life on that point what, what's interesting about that is that with a huge budget you have possibilities to do extreme things like that so you could choose to spend it on CGI but equally a film which I've never I've only ever seen a bit of but it was a film that both my parents liked a lot it was like a version of War and Peace that was famous for how um, massive in scope it was and they actually used the Russian army mm. to like film scenes so you had scenes which actually had something like 150,000 extras in uniform um, and it was actually them there was no added bits and with a huge budget you, sh- you should be able to do some of these some of these things um, um, there was a question from yeah, just wondered um, when you're um, how do you choose your films that you're going to review and how do you think knowing you're going to review them does that colour the way you watch them at all it's a good question so like we've reviewed um, The Last Jedi The Post The Shape of Water Solo Annihilation yeah so we've done about sort of seven or eight this year mm. how do we choose them well, we kind of look at what's coming up and we try, because we want to try and do one a month, um, sometimes because we're usually all over the shop. Like, you never know where Patrick's going to be one week to the next. Um, but we, we just try and pick something that's kind of big and interesting. Um, say something like Hereditary we chose because it was getting, you know, lots of press before it came out about being one of the scariest movies of all time. Adam doesn't like horror films, so we thought it might be an interesting one to do. It might be hilarious. Yeah. It was. (laughs) Um, So for this month, actually, it's kind of that point that we were making earlier about it, there not being lots of really good or interesting blockbusters coming out. For this podcast, I think we kind of ended up with a bit of a choice between doing The Meg or Ant-Man and the Wasp and I think there's Mission Impossible I think as well yeah but I mean there's so many like Marvel films and it's the sixth Mission Impossible film like we want to try and do something original wherever possible but we're always going to do every Star Wars film because (laughs) it it enlivens so much debate between the um, do you do this is the first one that we've done uh, publicly. Yeah, usually we just do them in uh, Ollie's, Ollie's living room um, and then edit them down because we usually just talk for two hours and uh, Adam has the fun job of uh, editing. Mm. The second part of your question was, does it colour the way that we view them? I know, Ollie, you said you're sort of thinking about what score you're going to give it from like... Yeah, one. it takes maybe an ever so slight edge off if, you, if I know we're going to be doing a podcast in a film it might take an ever so slight edge off the enjoyment of it because I am sat there kind of maybe thinking about what score I'd give it whereas before I wouldn't I'd just go sit in there sort of but I think I've tried to now get in the habit of not doing that so I'll go in watch the film try not think about anything else about the film and then straight away afterwards when I get home maybe write down some notes And but I've only decided the score for the Meg literally in the last day or so I'd be I'd really me, torn what to give it for me I think it's like uh, I like it because it's that thing of being attentive towards you know if you're not really concentrating so if you're really thinking about the quality of each aspect it kind of you, I think you in a way get more out of it more sort of like discerning what viewing of something it's really it's really funny how sometimes but how quickly we score things do you remember we went out we were out a few months ago and we just sat around and someone's just like listing out film names so it'd be like 
Space Jam, and straight away you went three. You wouldn't have said three about Space Jam. But yeah, like on films you've Don't seen, sully my film, films, <laughs> films you've like sort of seen, we tend to be able to score pretty quickly about think about. But when you're in there, mm-hmm. it's, it's a different kind of. I think it's quite a nice experience as well. Just before when I went to the cinema I would come out of a film and I would kind of leave it it would kind of be like did I enjoy it was it good but I wouldn't think about the actual score and thinking about the actual score kind of positions it amongst the other films you've seen that year mm-hmm. um, scoring I mean, these has been really interesting actually it really has because this one is difficult as well and once you've scored one or two films you're then yeah. having to place all of the everything's in, paired yeah, to, everything's yeah. then uh compared to everything else you've seen but not only that but with this as well I it's slightly complicated we probably have slightly different criteria for things but I'll think about what the film was trying to do so if there's a film called The Meg it's probably unlikely to be made to try and rival Citizen Kane or The Godfather or something so be like what does it try and do how well does it achieve that like for what it is you know how yeah how, how well is it sort of Gone through so We've literally got one minute left. Right. One very quick question here. Well, I thought a particularly interesting thing about this podcast was the fact that you didn't just look at the film, but also the kind of market factors which are influencing the way it's being made, who stars in it, and so on. And I thought an interesting exercise could be to look at the trailers which are being sent to different audiences around the world because they might actually represent the film in quite different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, this film is a bit like a sort of massive meal that's being constructed to try and please everyone and in doing so you can't have anything that's too distinctive or spicy or interesting it's all quite big and bland and flavourless and the accents aren't American or English they're kind of in between and um, and just keeping an eye on that and you're talking about being attentive when you watch films you're also being attentive to the market and the way it's actually influencing the way films are being made which I don't think everyone who goes to the cinema is doing mm. so I think that's will be something to continue to look at throughout and it, it's tricky to know what to do about that as well because it's that thing of with anything you know you have oh there's this massive blockbuster film but you don't really like that it exists that it's the 12th one of its series but you still kind of want to be entertained what do you do about it do you boycott do you boycott things you, know, you think of anything like the football world cup you're like well it's politically difficult but it's, it's really hard to actually you know um, have an effect so that yeah. So that these things won't be made, and that you're encouraging smaller films. But I think you know, one way you do that is to go and see um, other films or films which are just in- original or original, um, yeah. independent or mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, we've reached the end of our time here, so I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for coming and for listening. We've been the Little <laughs> Film Podcast. <laughs> and, uh, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
Online as well. There are there's all our episodes online, so you can. Big swagging good. You can't see this stuck with that lot. Yeah. I was going to see the Meg, but I don't think I would.